Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is Joe, and this is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. Got a great episode today. We're going to be talking about some of the common obstacles that a lot of beginners face getting into this business. You know, um, we are all there. If you had done uh, a deal or two, you're not a beginner anymore. But most of the people listening to real estate investing podcasts like this, I think, are in a place where you maybe never, never done a deal before. And you've been studying, you've been doing everything that you think you should be doing. And you've been taking the classes, going through the courses, watching the videos, listening to the podcast, maybe even dabbled a little bit in doing some research and making some offers, but you haven't done your first deal yet. Well, congratulations, you're a beginner. And guess what? All of us that have done deals before have all started as beginners. So we want to encourage you on this episode. I got a great guest named Victor that we're going to be talking to who's from Florida, who does a real good job of helping people who are beginners get unstuck. And there's nothing wrong with, of course, being a beginner, but there's something wrong with staying a beginner, man. I stayed a beginner for three years. I was a professional student for three years. And finally, I was able to get out of my own way and start doing deals. And we're going to be talking about that on this podcast. Okay. First of all, I want to let you all know this podcast is brought to you by my new program called partnerwithjoe.net. Partnerwithjoe.net is where I'm going to take you through how to do your first deal in the fastest and easiest way possible. It's a program. It's a 30-day program. I just put it together. It's called Partner with Joe because I want to partner with more people on deals. And I'm also lending money on deals, buying deals, wholesaling deals together. It's pretty cool. And I'm teaching you how to find all the buyers and sellers that you could ever need through this 30-day program. And also a part of this is a software that I built that helps you evaluate deals and make offers and then pre create presentations that you can send to the sellers that explain what a lease option is, what a cash offer is, what an owner financing deal is, et cetera. So if you want the free version of the calculator, you can get it for free at partnerwithjoe.net. After you download that or look at the software there, the next page will show you and talk to you about the Partner with Joe program. It's just seven bucks a month and it's my best stuff. I'm excited about it. Go check it out, partnerwithjoe.net. And I get this question a lot. Let me just say it because I know some of you already have my main lease option courses or you have my coaching or whatever. If you already have my lease option course or my coaching, you already have Partner with Joe. So you don't need to get Partner with Joe. You already have it. All right. So is that it for house cleaning stuff? I think we are good. Oh, let me say one more thing too. I just started a new webinar series called REI Secrets. I started two new webinar series, which I'm super excited about. Started a new webinar series with Pace Morby and Matt Terrio called the Creative Financing Lab. And we will be live tomorrow morning as I'm recording this every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Eastern, 7 a.m. Pacific, I think, right? We're going to be going live with myself, Matt Terrio, and Pace Morby. And we're going to be talking about all things creative financing. So stay tuned. Watch out for that on the YouTubes, on the podcasts. It's pretty cool. It'll be on Matt's channel, my channel, Pace's channel. It's called the Creative Financing Lab podcast. It's a lot of fun. Just for about an hour, we get together, talk about deals, talk about creative financing, what's working, what's not. The other thing is I also started a show called REI Secrets. And it's a weekly training video that I'm doing where I'm just teaching really cool stuff. It's not a coaching call. I'm not taking questions. I'm just going to be my goal you know, for the next 
six, 12 months is to teach more live content on podcasts, but also on YouTubes, just as like a way for me teaching some cool stuff. All right. So just keep an eye out for that. If you are on my email list, you will be notified when those things are happening. So just join my email list somehow. If you go to my website, joemccall.com, or just sign up for partnerwithjoe.net, partnerwithjoe.net. Cool. Also, as we were doing this, we are broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube. So I'm getting a lot of people that are posting questions and comments in here from YouTube and Facebook. So hello, say hi. And uh, when I bring Victor on here and he's being very patient, then you can ask him questions, anything you want. Cool. Now let's bring on Victor Yorichek. Did I say that right, Victor? You got it. Yeah. Victor Yorichek. Thanks for having me. A good friend that I met from a mastermind in Florida. What, what was it earlier this year or late last year? Late last year, September or October is in Tampa, REI family reunion. Yeah. Yes. So the cool thing about Victor, which I was thought was so cool, was he's from Slovakia or his family was, is, and you still speak Czech? That's right. Yeah, still oh, speak awesome. it. And uh, we speak it at home too. All my family's here in Gainesville. And uh, no, it's, it's really cool. It's really cool to have like a secret language. Like when you're uh, like buying a car or, you know, buying a house or something, if you can speak to someone. That nobody uh, else knows. Nobody right? else knows. Exactly. Well, nobody then. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> nice. Don't be done. Yeah. Good day. Awesome. That yeah. means good, good for you. But um, then I know what I know one other word or um, maybe swear word? no, 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 swear oh. words. <laughs> uh, but I'll, I'll save it for the end. And if you remind me, okay. I'll save it for the end because it kind of sure. means goodbye. But glad you're here, Victor. You know, we were talking about it this mastermind. Um, one of the things you're really good at is helping people get unstuck, you know, helping beginners, especially kind of get over their roadblocks, get over their mental blocks and barriers of like, you know, it, it's really like, it's easy for us to say, man, we're on the other side, right? We've been there, done that, done tons and tons of deals. And it's easy to look back and say, well, what's the big deal? Just do it, right? Just like, why are you waiting? Like, who? stop asking so many questions, just do it, right? And that does, that's not very helpful, I have found when I'm coaching somebody, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, you're, you're much better at that. So talk, Victor, would you about what are some of the common roadblocks and why why do sometimes beginners struggle so much with doing their first deal? Yeah, no, absolutely. And appreciate you having me on. Um, definitely. So what I found a lot is people really just get into their heads. And a lot of the common questions that I get like, okay, how do I get the money? So I, I do flips and I teach people how to do flips. So it's always like, how do I get the money? How do I get the deals? You know, how do I run my numbers? But it really just boils down to like, how do I know I'm actually getting into something that's going to help my life versus hurt my life. You know, so that's what it really boils down to. So it's really a lot of that fear. But it might seem, you know, 100% apparent to all of us like, hey, this is a good deal, especially professional, like this is a good deal, you should go for it. But people definitely get into their heads quite a bit when they just get into this analysis paralysis. And for whatever reason, they don't, they don't move forward. And I talk to a lot of people and maybe your listeners can relate to this where they've been thinking about real estate for years and years or even months and months, and they just yet, haven't yet made that first step. I mean, it's unfortunate to hear that because you and I know like once you start the journey, it's, it's fantastic and you can't go back because it is life-changing in a positive way. And uh, your growth is exponential. Like for me, first year did two, then did eight the next year, then, you know, 20 and now I want to do 30. So it really grows and grows, but you just have to get started. That's, that's the trickiest part. Well, why don't you talk, Victor, about your journey and how did you get started in this business and what helped you kind of break through and start doing deals? Yeah, for sure. So I was, I was working at a corporate job several years ago. I went full-time about two and a half years ago. I was working a corporate job and uh, I just realized it wasn't for me. I was like, hey, this isn't for me. I uh, just wasn't wasn't making enough. At the end of the month, I'd always be maybe like at the same place I was a month ago financially, or I just wasn't making a lot of progress financially. Didn't really enjoy the work either. 
So I realized like, okay, I got to make a change. Something's got to change because this isn't, this isn't working. Whatever I'm doing is not working. Always had the real estate bug, real estate itch, was always interested in real estate to say the least. Started looking into real estate, was connected through a friend of a friend to actually someone we both know, uh, Chris Chico. And Chris Chico and I were talking about the like me signing up for his mentorship. Back then I was broke. So I you didn't, right? What's that? You did not sign up for his mentorship, right? I did not sign up. No, oh, I, just, I couldn't afford it. I wanted to. I just couldn't afford no. it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. I give Chris a hard time. And Chris is the biggest goofball. But, uh, I'm just joking. Chris, and I know he listens to every podcast I do. So, okay. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure it's no problem. But I, uh, yeah, I wanted to sign up for his program, just couldn't afford it. And what he said, he said, Hey, I actually have um, a spot open for a cold caller for like an acquisitions person. The person he just got rid of wasn't working out. So he moved on. He's like, Hey, I got this spot open. So if you're willing to take it on commission only, you know, we can get started together. So got started that way, kind of uh, cut my teeth, so to speak, on wholesaling, started wholesaling in Gainesville, found I love the flipping, like actually buying the property, owning it, fixing it up, selling it. And that's what I've been doing. Uh, so how many years ago was this? This was, I went full-time about two and a half years ago. So how long were you part-time in it? So I started June, July of 2018. Okay. I closed my first deal October of 2018, which is actually a really good uh, piece of advice for a lot of your listeners. So some people say like, hey, I want to get into real estate. Okay, cool. I'm going to get a deal like next week. Just realize it takes time to get up and running. So it took me, I think, four to six months to get going. So just realize it's not an overnight process. You're not going to... Yeah make a hundred offers in a day and get a deal. Like it's, it takes some time to get out there, learn the stuff, know what to look for and, you know, actually get started. But you got to do that too at the same time, mm -hmm. don't you? Yeah, exactly. You so got to make a hundred offers. If, if you got to make a hundred offers to do your first deal, then you got to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's why I recommend also is actually knowing the numbers behind this. This is what I see on the flipping side of things. It's probably very similar on the creative finance. So it's something like make 15 offers, get one deal. So get make 15 offers on average and get one deal. So now you know, when you get a no, it's like, okay, that's one down. I got 14 more to go and I'll likely have a deal at that point. So it makes it easier to get through that rejection, especially someone like trans making the transformation from W2 or from a nine to five, like they might not be used to that sort of like rejection or kind of sales aspect to it. So just putting that in your head, like, hey, I know 14 times out of 15, I'm going to get a no. So just getting started and making yeah. those offers is huge. Well, that's so important, man. Just tracking, because I've said this a lot of times, your speed to income is directly proportional to the number of offers that you make. If you want to do a lot of deals... You got to start, it starts with making offers mm -hmm. and it may be on average one out of every 15 offers, but you might have to like do a hundred offers before you do a couple, three deals. Then it kind of, and then, then it becomes an average of mm -hmm. one out of every 15, 25 offers. Right. Mm -hmm. But people got to be committed to this for the long haul too. Right. Exactly. But, when you were getting started, were you did you have that kind of long-term commitment in your head? Like, all right, I'm gonna stick with this until I make it work. Luckily I did. Yeah, luckily I did. I just I really enjoyed it and I was learning a ton and just like, hey, I'm gonna make this work. You know, this is this is gonna work and stuck to it. And it took a little bit longer than I wanted, but looking back, I'm I'm glad I did it. And just like you said, like once you get your first deal, it like solidifies in your mind that entire process A to Z. So then it just becomes a repeatable process. Like, okay, I want to get X results. So I need to do A, B, C, 
through Z to get the deal. And then yeah. just becomes, becomes real. But I know how it is, especially trying to get your first deal where it feels like you're kind of fighting through the fog. It's like, it's not clear. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the wrong thing? So I totally get what that feels like. So just realize like that's normal and a part of the process as well. Mike, uh, Mr. Mike Gunn here says some people call it the shut up check. To <laughs> naysayers in your life. Yeah. Did you have naysayers in your life, Victor? I did actually. So I had some family members um, who were, they didn't think you can get a discounted deal. They always thought like, why would someone sell below market value? Like they, they didn't understand And Now they've obviously turned and they're like, yeah, let's do it. This is great. Um, but back then they're like, okay, why would someone sell for below market price to you? You know, why are they sell at such a discount? Because we want, you know, 70 cents, 60 cents, 50 cents on the dollar. So they're always, you know, concerned like, why would someone sell to you? Why wouldn't they just list it? And there's a number of reasons you as, not, as you and I know, like if someone's motivated through divorce, tax delinquency, a probate, you know, a number of these motivation factors, maybe more uh, foreclosure. Uh, there's a reason they just want to be done with it. Hey, I don't want to deal with it anymore. Here you go. Yeah. Okay. So talk about like, did you buy a bunch of courses? Talk about some of your early days in your education. How did you learn about what to do? Mm -hmm. So luckily, so a lot of the stuff I learned from Chico, wholesaling especially. So really got started with the cold calling. Um, After that, I did buy a ton of courses uh, with regards to like Facebook ads. Let me me ask you though, like you got started with Chico. So did you buy his course or not? Or just watch his videos? Actually, yeah, I did buy his course. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So was it his Facebook ads course or was it like a virtual wholesaling course that he had? It was the Facebook ads one. Yeah. Okay. I always thought that was uh, fascinating by the way as well. Like, okay, you can get deals from Facebook. Like people... Uh, are interested in selling their property through Facebook. So that always blew me away because I was always, especially back then, I was just used to the typical MLS model. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So he taught, it's not, it's more than just Facebook ads. It's how to, it's a, how to do deals right. with Facebook ads. And that's yeah. one of the best main strategies that he likes to teach there. But so, they, but you were doing cold calling then, right? We were doing cold calling. Yeah. That was something he was like experimenting with. Because at the time he was still doing wholesaling himself. I think he's still doing it, but he was still yeah, doing he it. The deals to some other guys to finish it. But yeah, you're right. Right, right. Yeah. All so right. We were so we're doing cold calling. Yeah. All right. Then um, you started getting some deals with Chris, or were you also doing some deals on your own? So what happened? So we were in, uh, this was 2018. I was cold calling in Miami and we were just getting zero traction. So I would call, it's 8 a.m. And the seller would say like, hey, I would say to the seller like, hey, are you interested in selling your property? They'd say, no, you're the fifth person who's calling me today. It's 8 a.m. So they're getting dozens of phone calls per day. So we were doing Miami for months and months. Eventually, we parted ways uh, compassionately. There's no hard feelings there. Still keep in touch. And I started doing Gainesville, which is a smaller market. Uh, so that's why I recommend for people. So if you're doing these massive markets, if you're like in LA or San Diego or New York, I recommend to look at some of these smaller secondary markets, yeah. a little more rural, if you will. Uh, I've seen that people get a lot more traction. There's less competition, less saturation. Prices get bid up less. Uh, sellers are talking to less people. Uh, so that's important as well. So started doing my own stuff in Gainesville, did two wholesale deals and started flipping. That's a huge tip. And I'm writing that down. Mm-hmm. Huge tip, small markets. Right? Yeah, I like the small markets. That's where all my deals are coming from because it's going to be f- extremely difficult for you to get your foot in the door with you know competing with these other big guys who are buying cash and they do hundreds of deals per year. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough. And they have full-time people for it. Right. So what if somebody, though, is listening to this who's a beginner and they're in a big city, they're in Miami or Nashville or Denver or San Diego, L.A., like what do you recommend they do? Mm -hmm. So if you're in like a Miami, I mean, there's a ton of places in Florida to flip. I mean, there's like Lakeland. I mean, there's Gainesville. 
It's like Ocala, Orlando, you know, there's a ton of these markets. Sarasota is a great market. Sarasota, mm-hmm, spot on. If you're in California, I always recommend they like flip out of the state. So you can't necessarily flip like Nevada or Arizona because those are also hot markets, unfortunately. So I always recommend to flip elsewhere. So I know, and I have students who live in California, they flip in Iowa, live in California, flip in North Carolina, uh, but they just do a totally different state. And it's a lot more accessible as a market as well, just because California to get into a, your first deal half a million, a million dollars. That's that's kind of dicey for your first transaction. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mr. Mike Gunn, again, if I can find my cursor, there it is, has a good question here. Could you just start bird dogging, which is kind of what you did. You were working for Chris, kind of being like a bird dog, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I'd get a percentage of whatever I closed. Um, yeah. So my first, first two deals were wholesales, got me started. There's nothing wrong with that. First deal made about three thousand. Second deal made about three and a half thousand, and the money was nice. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a huge check. But it was proof of concept. Like, yes, there's something here. Yes, there's a, a need for this, and then I just wanted to get into it further. All right, cool. Let's talk about marketing. Yeah, you know, if you're new to the business, there's a hundred different things you could be doing, right? Mm-hmm. You could be cold calling, you could be texting, you could be sending letters, you could be driving for dollars. What do you recommend and teach to to uh, new people? So what I recommend, just to get started, just to cut your teeth, like you said, on your hundred first 100 offers, I recommend, so let's start with like free methods, F-R-E, free methods. Once you really hone in on your numbers, get confident negotiating, get confident talking to people with the entire process, then you can switch over to paid stuff. And paid is like Facebook ads, I'd say cold calling, like these are more paid stuff, PPC. But to get started with free stuff, I recommend like Facebook Marketplace is really good, uh, for sale by owners really good. Um, you can do MLS, but just realize it's going to be tough to tough to find deals on there. So you can do MLS, uh, Craigslist. Uh, you can do driving for dollars. That's a much uh, cheaper, near free method. So these are all like free methods, just so you. So I don't want you getting out there and then like you're paying, let's say, two hundred bucks per lead, three hundred bucks per lead, doing something direct mail, whatever, and like you're you're messing up. You're not confident. You have a potential deal come across your table, but you just don't know what to do with it. So it falls through. So especially when you're spending that kind of money, you really want to be honed in, know what you're doing, know what you're saying. So that's why I recommend like, let's start with the free stuff and then we can transition to the paid stuff. Yeah. Okay. Talk about that though. Like Facebook marketplace. What do you mean find deals on Facebook marketplace? How do you do that? Yeah. So if you go to Facebook marketplace, people list their house for sale. So you can actually reach out to them via Facebook messenger, you know, hop on a call, see the property in person. I've gotten deals like that. I know people who've gotten deals like that. Um, So people list their property on Facebook marketplace instead of listing on MLS for whatever reason they list, you know, there on Craigslist. Okay. So you contact them and say, Hey, are you, is your house still available? Right. You talk to them about their house. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend with beginners that just keep it simple with cash offers, like traditional wholesaling, or do you, do you, do you kind of help them with learning all the different ways you can make offers, the different ways you can do deals with lease options and owner financing or subject to, or cash? What do you, what do you do there? So how I do just to keep it as simple as possible. um, I just keep it simple like cash. Like here's a price, you know, all cash at closing type of thing. I don't teach a lot of the creative stuff owner financing, lease option, like all of that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but just for a beginner and what what I teach in my personal opinion, like I just teach them because there's enough variables in their mind, in the student's mind, because they're going through all this. They're like, okay, what do I need to put into it in terms of repairs? What can I sell it for? Okay. What are my like financing costs? Okay. Like how do all these costs come together? So there's enough moving parts where I just try to keep it as simple as possible and say cash offer. Good. All right. Good, good. So what marketing are you doing now? these days. Yeah. So I get about like about half my deals from wholesalers and then about half I source on my own. That's cold calling, that's SEO, 
Um, I do like third-party lead sources, which really work. It's like need to sell my house fast. So you just basically pay per lead. So what do you mean by that? You, you buy leads from another company that does the online advertising? Correct. Yeah. I've seen some success with that. Yeah, so that's what's been working for me. Again, half wholesalers, half on my own. Um, and then with the wholesalers, I try to build a relationship as much as possible. Don't try to beat them up over you know little dollars, a couple thousand dollars. I try to work with them as much as possible. I'd rather squeeze an extra deal per year and make you know an extra 20, 30, 40,000 per year than try to beat them up and, and lose the deal. Okay, now let's talk about rehab. You know, because yeah. wholesaling is simpler, right? It might be the easier way to do your first couple of deals, but what do you recommend to people? Do you recommend they get started into learning how to wholesale or learning how to fix and flip and go for the bigger deals? Interesting. I actually think flipping is easier than wholesaling. So honestly, I think it's easier than wholesaling for a couple of reasons. Wow. So, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, no, for sure. So flipping, it's actually easier numbers. So something like I said, one out of 15 offers to get a deal, let's say one out of 15 offers to make 30K on a typical flip, which is what I typically make, or for wholesaling, you know, one out of 30 offers to make 5k. So you are making a ton more offers, a lot more effort for a smaller paycheck. So that's, that's a big part of it. Uh, Another big part of it is there's a recent wave where there's a ton of wholesalers. And two years ago, when I got started, there was like maybe one wholesaler in my area, maybe two. And now there's 15, 20. So it's really competitive. It's really saturated. And as flippers, we can ride that wave because we can, you know, we can grab deals from wholesalers. I would argue, I may be wrong here, but I would argue it's always been competitive in Sarasota. You just didn't know it. Okay. I may be wrong. I mean, I don't know Sarasota as well as you do. But ever since I got started in 2008 and 9, I've always heard, and every market cycle since then, up and down, flat, sideways, people have complained about competition, right? And even when the hot, like when it was easiest to buy properties in 2012, there were people Mm -hmm. complaining about competition. Really? Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. I I even had one time, and this, I'm, I'm bringing this up because this is what goes on in a lot of beginners' heads. You know, when I had I had two coaching students in the same city. I forget which city it was. It might have been Denver. It, maybe it was Colorado Springs. But one student called this one day and complained about having sellers but no buyers. Plenty of sellers, no buyers. Mm-hmm. The next day, another guy called from that same market. And I was talking to him. He said, "Man, I got tons of buyers but no sellers. This doesn't work." They were both complaining it doesn't work. And but the problem was, I don't know. They just something some kind of limiting mindset belief with them, right? Mm-hmm. One, they were complaining about completely opposite problems. Of course, I put them together and I said, "All right, you guys need to talk." One of you has sellers, one of you doesn't. One of you has buyers, the other doesn't. Let's talk and figure out how to partner on deals together, right? So like, what are some of these these mental roadblocks I think that beginning investors have where they look at competition that's out there and they think it's bad, maybe maybe it's not. Well, in the case of like wholesaler with flipper, you're not competing with wholesalers. Like they can bring you deals. So there's no reason to like fight for them and they'll they'll okay. bring you deals. So they'll make your life a lot easier like they have mine. Okay. So you don't have to rely as much on hitting the streets and, and virtually knocking on doors, as it were, to get the deals. You get people to bring you the deals. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of value in that, especially because typically with marketing, if I'm spending, you know, a thousand, two thousand a month and I flip it, then it might take me, you know, four months, six months to recruit my investment and then get that net profit paycheck. So I have to be spending that that uh, marketing budget up front versus wholesaling. It's like a quicker path to a check. So you might be spending a a thousand a month and then you get your first and you get an assignment fee of 7K, which is awesome. And then you can continue doing the marketing, but it's a quicker paycheck. That's interesting. I've never heard really anybody say that the rehabbing and fixing and flipping is a faster, better way to do a deal than wholesaling. Most people start with wholesaling. Mm -hmm. 
maybe cherry pick the best deals. But what about somebody would say, listen, you know, there's a lot that you take on in terms of risk and liability when you're rehabbing a house. And it may take instead of one month to get your first check, it might take three to six months to go through the whole process of fixing it and flipping it. Your paycheck's going to be bigger. Yeah. Talk a little bit more about why you why you why you like the fix and flip model better. It's it's really cool to see the the transformation. So you see yeah. my property that's kind of crummy, beat up, and you see the entire transformation where it's suddenly nice and modern. Everyone wants to live there. Like before you bought it, like nobody wanted to see it, nobody wanted to touch it, and then suddenly everyone wants it. So that's always that's always interesting. On the topic of like wholesaling versus flipping as well, uh, I've always seen with flipping because you're taking it down yourself, you just have to find a good deal. So you find a good deal. But for wholesaling, you have to find a good deal and then some. And that and then some is your wholesale fee. That's your assignment fee. So you've earned it, but you have to find a good deal and then some. And uh, you and I know sometimes when you're negotiating with a seller, they have their bottom dollar. Like you just can't get them any lower. And it's it happens quite a lot of times where it's like right on the cusp. Like, oh, if I can get them down 5K, it's a deal, but they're not coming down 5K. Uh, so if you're a flipper and you take down the deal yourself, Hey, you might not make 30K, you'll make 25K, you make a little bit less, but still a deal you can do. So that's how I see it as well. You can take those tougher deals down. Are you, are you doing any are you doing any wholetailing where you're you're still taking the property down, but you're just cleaning it a little bit and then sticking it back on the MLS? We don't have much through. Yeah. Uh, I've done like full gut jobs. I've done uh kind of that uh, wholetailing. I've also heard of it like lipstick on a pig. <laughs> so I've heard that uh called before, like paint flooring and then throw it throw it back on the market. Uh, so I've done all of the what do you prefer now? I like the quick. I like the whole tailing. Yeah. I like it when it's in decent shape, just paint flooring, may throw out some stuff. Um, that's always nice. All right. So you're talking to somebody in Des Moines, Iowa right mm-hmm. now who wants to get started in real estate. You know, I've listened to some podcasts. They've watched the HGTV shows. What would you tell them to do? Yeah. So I recommend to get into it. Um, I always thought like when I was first getting into it, like I'm going to go crazy over the weekend. Like I'm going to put in hours and hours cold calling and it's, it's going to happen for me. And then I realized I would build it up so big in my head and I actually wouldn't do anything. So I'd hype it up, it'd be a huge energy spike. I would actually like hype myself out of it and not do anything. So I recommend people do the opposite. So to kind of dip your toe into the water. So for your first offer, I wouldn't even say like do an offer. So for your first step as a baby step, just talk to a seller. Just talk to them. Like how long have you owned the property? What's the condition of the property? Not even make an offer, but just get comfortable talking with them. Uh, a lot of people get, uh, get in their head like, what if I don't get along with them? What do I ask? What are some of the things I need to bring up? What are some of the things uh, that need to be discussed? So just getting out there talking to them. So that's, that's the first baby point. step. Second baby step is getting out there and making an offer. And I recommend like for your first offer, make a 50% offer. So whatever they're asking, offer half. So if they're asking for 100, offer 50. And that's, again, expanding your comfort zone where you'll realize like most people are nice. You're not going to get yelled at. You're not going to get sweared at. They'll just politely decline like, hey, that's too little. I can't do that. Sorry. Um, So that's the second baby step. But the point is like you're slowly easing yourself into it just because that's what I've seen really works for people, like slowly pushing yourself to do more and more. And then you slowly become comfortable with the last step. So if you had to do the last step in terms of making an offer, you would realize it's not that big of a deal. But a lot of people have that mental block with a with a lowball offer, if you want to call it that, where it's like, okay, well, what if something goes wrong and you know, then that stops them from ever moving forward. I'm looking here on Redfin in Des Moines, Iowa. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for all the properties that have been on the market over 60 days. And I'm going to do, I'm going to remove new construction. So it had to have been built before 2010. Mm-hmm. 
And there's 98 homes in this area. So I'm going to zoom out. Now there's 146. And let's say houses only, right? There's 64. And let's let's stay away from the super expensive ones. So it's going to be under 250 bucks, $250,000. All right, there's 29 homes that have been on the market over 60 days in Des Moines, Iowa mm-hmm. and the surrounding areas. And I'm going to sort this by price. And these are all homes under, uh, maybe I should share my screen. This might actually- If you can, yeah. Because I, th- I, I'm doing this to show you all how you can um, maybe start getting out of your comfort zone to actually start calling, maybe not sellers, but realtors. Do you see Redfin right now? I see it now. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Here we go. Des Moines Homes for Sale. Yep. Let me zoom in a little bit. I'm sorry. I got like five monitors here. You're good. <laughs> so here's 29 homes. I sorted it by price. Here's a here's a beautiful house for 75 grand mm-hmm. in Newton. Newton is uh, out here maybe somewhere. I don't know where Newton is. Let's go to view details of this property. And there's a reason why this house hasn't sold yet. It needs updating. And only an investor would find this house attractive, right? So this house has been on the market, though, for 60 days. Great potential for investment property, selling as is. Probably it hasn't sold yet because they're asking too much for it, mm-hmm. right? Even if a rehab were to go in here and fix it up, make it look nice, there's not much money in there for it. So here's Karen's phone number. Karen Clevenger from Iowa Realty Newton. You know, what? you called her up. What would your conversation be like with Karen? So if it was the... And you're a new investor. You're training a new investor. You know, you got to make offers. Let's go look for some older properties here mm-hmm. that need updating and call them. What would you say? So if this is the first uh, phone call or the first piece of homework, I recommend just talking to them. Like, okay, yeah. how long has it been on the market? Have you gotten any offers? What's the condition of the place or what needs to be done to fix it? Just getting to know how long have the owners owned it. So stuff like that, just to build rapport and just to uh, get to know them and get to know the property. Good. All right. So what else then? Yeah. So let's say it's the, how I typically do, let's say it's, you know, you're past the homework stage, you've made the low ball offer, you've made the the initial, you know, conversation. I always, how I always teach my folks is to do it in like a two-step process, like a one-two punch process. So the first phone call, the first interaction, you're just getting to know them, getting to know the property. So you're just building the rapport, getting the, you know, asking those questions, um, like how long have you owned it? How much are you looking to get out of it? Uh, those sorts of like rapport building questions. For the second conversation or the second uh, interaction, uh, best if in person, you can do it over the phone if that's, you know, that's fine as well. Uh, that's when you're actually presenting the offer. So that's when you're actually presenting the offer like, hey, a little bit more about me. I'm a cash buyer. I'll pay for all your closing costs. Uh, there's no realtors. There's no realtor commissions. I'll buy it as is. So there's no repairs, no cleaning. Uh, based on the neighborhood, the property, the area, I'd be looking to pay X. And then you you shut up and let them talk. You know, one of the things that I was, as you were talking, I was looking here, this is the property in Newton, Iowa. And one of the things I like about Redfin is that you can pull up sold comps. And what I like to do when I'm talking to realtors is try to find out 75 grand. Is that like the lowest they would go? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they negotiable on their price? And I like to ask them about the sold comps, the act, the sold and the active comps in the neighborhood. And one of the things that you can do with Redfin, if you all can see my screen here, by the way, if you're listening to this on an audio podcast, if you just go to my YouTube channel, uh, Joe McCall, you can see this there, all right? But if you open this map up into full screen view, do you see that right down here? There's a thing called Map Nearby Homes for Sale. When you click on that, it's going to put that property right in the center of the map. And it's going to show you similar homes that are currently listed for sale in the neighborhood. And right now, there's only three, but I'm going to zoom out to get a few more. Now there's 14, and I'm going to sort this table by price. And some of these, so let me then do property type houses only here. 
And one of the things I like to talk to realtors about as I'm looking through this is, you know, okay, here's a house that's currently listed for 69700 that doesn't need any work. It's a one bedroom. Um, so, you know, this property just doesn't need any work. I know it's a one bedroom, but it's bigger than 480 square feet just looking at this. But, you know, why would I want to pay 75 for your property that looks like it needs a lot of updating when I can buy this house down the street that's cheaper that doesn't need as much work. And I bet you both of these properties would probably rent for about the same, just looking at it, right? Mm -hmm. But the other cool thing is you can go right here to more filters and turn for sale off and sold on mm -hmm. in the last six months, okay? And you can also filter by the size here, let's say max size 1500 square feet. So there's 50 homes here. I can sort this table by price. And if it's too many, you can zoom in because that house is still right in the middle of that map, right? And when you're talking, I'm bringing this up because like, guys, these are things you can have conversations with on these realtors, with yeah. these realtors about can I just asking questions, can you explain to me what the neighborhood is like? Like if I fix this house up, what do you think it would take? What do you think the house would be worth after it's fixed up? Mm -hmm. And ask them. I see here um, there's a property that's sold on 2nd Avenue, probably about five, six blocks away for 57500 and you're they're asking remember where did it go here they're asking 749 but this is a house that sold um you know it actually looks in it needs updating but it's almost as good of shape if not better i don't know but like ask the realtor um you know i'm seeing houses that sold here for 50000 57000 67000 um in that same area do you think that the 75 that the seller is asking for is a fair price Right, mm -hmm. you all you all picking up what I'm laying down here? <laughs> is this possible to anybody? That's spot on. And what what I really like is when you get the realtor on your side, where yeah. they say like, "Hey, I, I know it's overpriced. I'm so sorry. This is what the seller wanted." Um, so when you get them on the price, just by just by bringing up these comps and bringing up the for sale, I think that's brilliant. Uh, they'll they might even admit to you like, "Hey, they would be willing to take a lot less. They're motivated." So just going through this process is valuable. Shows what you know what you're doing. And it takes just a minute. Like you can pull this up while you have them on the phone. Like there's a beautiful house that sold for 70 grand. What is this? Six months ago, mm -hmm. sold for 70. That's a little smaller, but it needs zero work, right? So here's the cool thing too, when you're talking to realtors, I'm saying this because when you're calling realtors, just talk to them and say, hey, listen, I, you can even be honest with, I, I, I'm a new investor. Um, and it's, it's fun. do you know Jerry Norton? Mm -hmm. I saw him doing this. I love Jerry Norton. I saw him doing this on one of his YouTube videos recently. And I thought, man, that's such a great idea. And you know, I'm, I'm going to do it too. And he just texted me back a second ago as I was talking about what mm -hmm. he does on his YouTube videos. So Jerry Norton, if you're watching this and you're probably not, uh, this is exactly, this is so cool to actually see people do this because it helps a beginner like overcome their fear. Like, oh, really? That's not that big of a deal. I can do that, right? But look up these properties and just tell the realtor, listen, um, you know, I'll let you represent me so you can get both sides of the commissions, right? Let the realtor represent you as a buyer's agent. You can then, uh, that then that helps them get more on your team. And then they're going to be more open maybe with telling you, yeah, you know what? Um, they, 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 might mean, they might be open to that. They might be negotiable. Why don't you go ahead and make an offer? And then you can ask the realtor, because especially if you're new, listen, I'm new. I don't know how to write contracts. Can you just write one for me and represent me, right? Anyway. While you're on the phone, you can get these, pull these properties up on Redfin and Zillow and say, listen, these, I see some comps here for 57, 70. Um, do you, do you think that 
this price that they're asking for seventy four nine hundred is fair. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you want to add anything to that, or am I? I what do you think? No, you. I think you did. Yeah, fantastic. I just want to add to it. I think yeah, a yeah. lot of people get in their head where they have to be an expert. They have to come across as very smart. They have to come across yeah. as knowledgeable. So I love how you could just cut through all that nonsense. You just said, "Hey, I'm I'm a beginner real estate investor." Doesn't that uh, take a lot of the pressure off? Exactly, exactly. Because then it's suddenly like, oh, okay, they're they're willing to help you, and that's that's how I got started too. Like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, what what should I do here? But um, I work with somebody who does, right? Like, I have a coach or I have a mentor or a friend who mm-hmm. does do a lot of investing and rehabbing, and uh, I'm just, you know, we're looking for some deals. We we're looking for yeah. some deals, and I was wondering if I could ask you some questions about this house on Fourth Avenue in Newton, Iowa. Mm-hmm. Bam! It's and then you're not pretending to to know more than you actually know, right? Spot on. No, I love that. That's fantastic. Because just like you said, it takes the edge off, so it's no longer pressure. Like, hey, I have to look good, or hey, if I make a mistake, or if I say something dumb, they'll know. They they know you're a beginner, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The other reason why I like these properties, by the way, guys, and I'm going to do more YouTube videos about this. Jerry Norton, I'm coming after you. <laughs> I hope you're watching and listening, but I know you're not. Um, I, I I like going after these properties that have been on the market over 60 days because these sellers might be open to creative financing. You know, they I can you can ask the realtor, listen, if I could get them their price for 75 grand. First of all, like, why do you think it hasn't sold yet? It looks like a nice neighborhood. You know, um, why aren't there any interior photos on Redfin? Um, why do you think it hasn't sold yet? What's going on? Is there something wrong with the property? Is something wrong with the neighborhood? Why aren't, you know, so like just asking these questions, but then say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if this will work or not, but if I could get them their price for 75 grand, do you think they would consider something like seller financing or lease purchase or probably not, right? Mm-hmm. Bam, it's just sure, getting, I, I love it. you get me all excited. Especially, I'm looking at these properties here. I want to make some offers. Well, especially because you have, what do you have, 29 there, 25 there? Oh, there's got to be a deal in there. Like, yeah, and these are properties that have been on the market over 60 days. Mm-hmm. And Des Moines is a hot market. It may not be as hot as Miami or whatever, but these are, you know, these are great little rental properties. I really doubt this is a 580 square foot house. Maybe it is, but um, that doesn't that look bigger than a 580 square foot house? Yeah, I don't know. It's a couple of them seem to have been mislabeled. Maybe that's what they are showing up. Maybe they really are. Maybe it's a mobile home part. Like a no, I need, I don't know. It looks like a house, yeah. But that that thing could rent for 800 bucks a month. And uh, you could wholesale that to a landlord mm-hmm. all day long. All right. So anyway, what are some of the other challenges? Let's talk about this. What are some of the other challenges that beginning investors face? And how can, how do we help them get them get over their fears? Does that make sense? That does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I'd recommend uh, just have like clear goals. That's another thing people don't necessarily have. They're just like, okay, I want to get into real estate. Like, okay, what does that look like? Like, what's a good scoreboard for achieving that? Is that like one deal in your first year? If so, like how much are you looking to profit from that deal? What are you looking to eventually get? Is it a cash flow goal? Is it like a number of flips? Is it an amount in the bank account? Just clearly defining where you are and where you're going. Just so like that's how GPS works, by the way. So you you know where you are, you know where you're going, and now the path is plotted forward. But if you don't know those two endpoints, it's kind of tough. Like if you told your GPS, hey, I want to go to Miami. Like, okay, well, where are you now? I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> or vice versa. So that's why I recommend just having clear cut goals, writing them down is also super valuable instead of keeping it in your head. It's very easy to uh, change a goal. Like let's say you don't hit a goal and you might say to yourself like, oh, I didn't really mean that or oh, I'll just, you know, I'll do it next year. But if you write it down, it's concrete, it's real, um, it's it's achievable. Uh, it's something to work towards. I think the other thing is just pacing yourself. Um, I've talked to people who their first year, they're like, I want to do 10 deals or I want to do 20 deals. I want to build a real estate empire in my first year. 
Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but I'd recommend like pacing yourself, like just do one or two deals uh, in 2021. And that's going to be a huge life changer. Like that's going to set you up very nicely for future years. What's really cool about real estate, it's a lifelong skill. So it's not just, what am I going to do this year? What am I going to do next year? Like these skills, everything we're talking about, it applies to 10 years in the future, 20 years in the future, 50 years in the future. Um, real estate's here to stay. I don't see any data where people don't want to live in houses anymore. Or people don't want to, <laughs> people, you know, want to live population. in population. haven't seen that. So it's the here. Population of the U.S. is growing mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. Um, okay. So like you, you're talking about rehabbing a house and I can see mm-hmm. how a beginning investor is going to be thinking, oh my gosh. That sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like um, I'm going to need some help doing that. How do you recommend or how do you help somebody who's new find somebody that can help them rehab properties? For the, are you asking for the contractor side of things? Well, managing the whole process from buying it, taking mm-hmm. it down, um, managing the rehab, the contractors, mm-hmm. the, you know, selling it and things like that. Yeah. So let's talk about the renovation process. So just realize when you're getting into it, there's like three main models to run the renovation. There's uh, DIY, which is like do it yourself. Like you're doing the painting, you're doing the flooring. Don't ever do that, please. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Uh, so then there's uh, done with you, which is yeah. like you hire a painter, pay the painter. You hire a flooring guy, pay the flooring guy. Uh, but you're more of that manager. You're more of the project manager. That's the second model. Third model is done for you. So that's like um, you hire a general contractor. They take care of it A to Z. So before you get into the renovation, you should know like which which model are you going to use because that's going to kind of change um, change your approach. And there's nothing wrong with either model. You're just giving up one thing. You're trading off time or trading off money. So if you do it yourself, uh, it's going to cost you time. You're going to save money. If you hire it out fully, it's going to cost you money, save you time. So just realizing like the three models and how you're going to go about it uh, affects who you're going to choose and what you're going to do. Good, good. Um... All right. So somebody is, uh, they're looking at a house, they start making phone calls, they start looking, uh, they start calling realtors, they start getting calling sellers, they get more comfortable with Mm -hmm. just asking questions about the house. Now they want to make an offer. How do you teach beginning and students? Uh, Keeping it simple, how do you teach beginners to make offers? Yeah. So I recommend, um, so I always recommend 70% rule. And then depending on the market, it might go up to 75% rule. So it's 70% ARV minus repairs is your max offer. Uh, so I always recommend start a little bit lower than that. Uh, so if the place is in really good shape, you can get close to that number to your max offer. Uh, if the place is a wreck, you can always start a much lower just to test the water, see where they're at. Uh, a part of negotiation and part of you know throwing out an offer, you can always go up. So you can always backpedal like, hey, I just want to get the conversation going. Um, I can definitely come up on that price if needed, uh, if, if it uh, goes south. So, but just starting low and working your way up uh, is what I recommend. So for your first offer, I always recommend like a nice even number. Like, okay, for this place, I'm willing to pay 50,000. You'll go back and forth. They'll say a counter, you'll go. For the next offer, I always recommend like a, uh, a number ending in 500. So, hey, I can't pay 50,000. What about 55,500? And then they'll go back and forth. You'll discuss the property. Hey, it needs a lot of work. You know, it's not the best neighborhood. Uh, then for the final um, and like kind of your highest price, I always like to end it in like a seven or like end it in a very specific number. So, hey, I can't do 55500 What about 57357 And then in their mind, they're thinking, well, this I've squeezed every single dollar. It's down to the dollar with this person. So I probably can't get any more. So might as well accept that price. So that's why I recommend in terms of like a mechanical, tactical because um, going through those volleys and realizing like it is going to be a process. I always liken it to something like tennis where they go, 
you go, they go, you go. You never want to uh, offer again upon yourself. Like you made an offer and then you make an offer and you make an offer. You want them to uh, to counter and to, to go back and forth. Cool. All right. Mr. Mike Gunn again is very active today on the YouTubes. Realtor wants a proof of funds. What do you do? Yeah, no, good question. So this is why I traditionally focus on like the off-market deals. So with the, the 20 flips I did last year, only one was MLS, only one was on market. Um, so I really very, very, very seldom do off-market deals ask for proof of funds. Um, if needed, this is a part of like what I teach. So it's always good, especially when you're getting started to like grab a, like a money partner, someone who can like, they put in the funds, you find the deal, you run the deal, you sell the deal and you guys split the profit. So you can get a proof of funds from the money partner. Uh, you can also get a proof of funds from your hard money lender. So you get pre-qualified from them that can send you a letter like, hey, this person is pre-qualified for this amount for this property. You can send that as a proof of funds. And I've had success with that. Great point. You know, let me show you my screen again, guys, what I recommend doing. I hope you don't mind me teaching a little bit, Victor. This is supposed to be an interview. An no, interview. You're good. We're, we're here to help beginners. That's what yeah. we're doing. So I love because if, if people see this, if you're a beginner and you see this, like, oh, it's not that hard, right? Like this is a house in Woodward, Iowa. Where is that? I don't know. It's somewhere in Iowa, right? Um, let me zoom out here. It's in a suburb of northeast, northwest Des Moines. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's a great little area. In fact, I used to go to Madrid, Madrid, uh, all the time. Madrid when I lived in Des Moines. All right, so there's Woodward, right? But you've never done a deal there before. You live in Miami, and you're like, oh, I want to do deals in Iowa. And I talked to the realtor, and the realtor um, said, yeah, the seller might accept something around sixty. Which, by the way, you may think that's crazy, unheard of, but it happens all the time. All right, so the realtor says, yeah, you know, they might take sixty. They're just sick of it. They're done with it. They want to be rid of it. Maybe it's a bank or uh, a foreclosure. And the, you know, they're just saying, yeah, we'll just take the next offer that comes. We just got to get it off our books. Well, one of the things I recommend is going to the Facebooks. And there's a lot of really good Facebook groups on here that are for investors, for wholesalers. And you can go to one of my favorite is Wholesaling Houses Full. Why can't I find it? Full. full maybe they kicked me out of the group. Oh, <laughs> Alex Wholesaling Houses Full Time. Oh, there it is. Okay. 120,000 members. <laughs> I'm still in it. All right. And there's a search bar right here. There's a search button. And just do a search for Des Moines. Mm -hmm. You can do a search for Iowa. And here is somebody from, well, that's four years ago. You can sort this by, um, here we go. Most recent. Do, 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 do. This somebody is saying, all right, here, here's somebody from 20 hours ago, Shantanese, any cash buyers in the Des Moines, Iowa. I'm looking for a hard money lender in the Tri-Cities, Tennessee area. Um, Anyway, I won't spend much time. Maybe there's a Des Moines in Tennessee. But here's what I'm saying is you can go through here and find people. Here's somebody, Hudson, back in December. Any buyers in Des Moines? I got a good deal under contract. Somebody commented, wah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> all right. But you know what? This guy, Hudson here, is looks like he might be an active wholesaler. And um, contact him. Reach out to him. Right. And you can also go to sites like Bigger Pockets. Find investors that are already doing deals mm -hmm. in Iowa. And like, if you go to the search thing here, the search for Des Moines, you're going to find members. If you click on members here who are investors in Iowa, look for the ones that are active on here. Like this guy is Darson. He's got a bunch of votes, uh, posts, a bunch of votes, contact him and uh, see, Hey, I, I think I might have a deal and uh, want to know if you want to partner with me on it. Mm -hmm. Chad Daniel. Right. And you can also go here to forums and find people that are talking about Des Moines in the forums. This guy is looking for contacts, and there's been seven replies. 
And uh, you can contact them and find out, like, here's a real estate agent from Keller Williams, who is this guy, Darson. Here you go. He's an active agent, but he's an investor-friendly agent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, contact these guys. They're everywhere. They're easy to find. Facebook groups and bigger pockets are just two places you can go to. And you can also go to find deals, find the wholesalers that are advertising properties on bigger pockets. By the way, I don't get anything for promoting bigger pockets. These, a lot of these are agents. I'm sorry, uh, are investors that are advertising properties. There's four of them here. And uh, I don't know if you can expand outside, but you know, contact these people. Pretend like you're interested in buying their house. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's that dude again. There he is, Chad Daniel, right? Um, but reach out to him and find out uh, if he can help you on this deal. Tell him you're new. Mm-hmm. It's a simple uh, What I want to add to that. So uh, also like local, like real estate meetups, typically they have a Facebook group. Yeah. Uh, for if you found like something specific for Des Moines, um, you know, real estate meetups, RIAs, R-E-I-A. Uh, there's a ton of those. There's probably Iowa real estate investors. Um, here's, here's another pro tip for your uh, audience here, Joe. Uh, I always teach like the leapfrog method. So it's always like, who else do you know who could help me out with this? And that can be for contractors. That can be for money. That can be for finding deals too. So if you talk to a, uh, a wholesaler and they don't necessarily have a deal for you, you might say, well, who else do you know who's wholesaling in your area? And you just build your network that way. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of Facebook groups as well mm-hmm. for things like Iowa real estate or Iowa investment. Let me go to groups here. Can't beat that. Yeah, that's a hell of a start. That's something you can do today, by the way. That's like you can quick Google or a quick search on Facebook, get into the groups, start reaching out, talking to people literally today. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So I think we, I, I wanted to share that because I know that um, people kind of see how easy it is and it's not intimidating. That's going to help a lot. When you've got somebody in your corner that can partner with you on the deal, they can take care of the um, proof of funds. They can take care of the actual money to buy the property. They, they, they don't have the cash themselves. They know the hard money lender that does. They know the good contractors. They know the good property managers. They know the good title companies. They know the right contracts to use, the paperwork to use. Um, so yeah, this is something I love talking about because this helps a lot of newbie investors get some help, um, especially if they can't maybe afford a coach right away or um, they maybe the coach they have can't help them. I don't know. Anyway, cool. Victor, any final words of advice you want to give to people? that uh, are listening to this i just want to challenge people to like to go ahead and take some one little baby step today so i know we've talked and we've gone into an example and we've looked at properties like what to say who to talk to when to say it uh i think i would really want to challenge the folks listening like take that one little baby step make one connection have one conversation uh just to get started that compounds you do one of those connections per day in a year you'll have 365 connections um, I'd be surprised if you can't do a do a deal, or if you do one offer a day and you get to 365 by the end of the year, uh, I would be surprised if you didn't have a deal. Yeah, very good. All right, so Victor, how can people reach you if they want to uh, talk to you? Yeah, for sure. So I, I mentor folks how to get started flipping, how to get your first deal, how to get to six figures. Um, best place to reach me is on Facebook. If you look at my name, Victor Yurchek, you can reach out to me there. I also have a free Facebook group if folks want to ch- join there. Six Figure House Flipper, uh, just to get started. It's, it's free, ton, ton of free tips, free advice on how to get started, how to run your numbers for rehab, how to think about rehab, how to buy houses, how to negotiate, all that good stuff. Everything you can think of, everything that I use in my business is there. It's free. Yeah, so Victor, I'm, I'm writing this into the banner. The Facebook group, I'm sorry, your your Facebook on profile is Victor Urasek, right? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. how you spell it, J-I-R-A-C-E-K. Yep. And then your Facebook group is what again? Uh, so it's six figure house. So I can send you the link here. 
six-figure house flipper. Boom, there it is on the banner. Uh-huh. Six-figure yeah. house flipper, right? Yeah. That's how people can reach you. Yeah, That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Cool, Victor. Hey, thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. And are you ready for my check word for goodbye? Oh, yeah. What's the word? Okay. Nobody listen. Close your because I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Nashkladano. How's that? Nashkladano. Oh, dang it. Not Nashkladano. Nash. It's nah. two words. Nash. No, you don't even know it. Nah. <laughs> they speak different language in Slovakia than they do in the Czech Republic. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> How do you say goodbye in Czech? You say ciao, albo. Yeah, I know. Till later. Nabuduce. That's like till later, till next time. Um, I thought you knew Czech. Maybe Nazdravia. Maybe like. like, like, I've heard of that. Nasladano. 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 Oh, okay. So that's like, uh, yeah. So that's, yeah, it's like till next time. Yeah. Nasladano. Like, sladano, like till next time. Good. Did I kind of get it right? I so I'd say you know like one and a half words like Dobry Dan you nailed that one. Okay. Uh, let it know. Uh, maybe that's a good check word. I, don't, maybe I haven't been there. Long that's embarrassing. You're all right, cool, Victor. Thank you. Uh, Thanks for having me. All right, we'll see you all later. Thank you, everybody, and go check out Victor's Facebook group. It's called Six Figure Flippers. Six Figure Flippers, and we'll see you guys later. Take care, everybody. Bye bye.